We meet today in Jeremiah chapters 4 through chapter 6. Jeremiah deals with backsliding of the people. We are in that period of time when Josiah the king was carrying on a reformation, but it was before the word of God had been found in the temple. Therefore, it was reformation and not revival. That which was taking place was very shallow. Josiah was sincere and he was certainly moved toward God. He listened to Jeremiah, but the people were not turning back to God in any genuine sort of way, even though Jeremiah had struck home in some of the prophecies that he had given. We are in the second message which Jeremiah gave. That message began in chapter 3 and continues all the way to chapter 6. He deals with the backsliding of the people. Chapter 3 verse 10 has this record. And yet for all this her treacherous sister, Judah has not returned to me with her whole heart, but in pretense, says the Lord. They were turning to God in a merely outward manner. They were going to the temple and were going through the rituals, but their heart was not in it all. It was something Josiah was trying to produce, and this reveals that there can never be reformation without revival. Reformation without revival is never a genuine change. This reveals that there can be reformation without revival, and reformation without revival is never a genuine change at all. Well, even today, we are witnessing a renewed interest in the word of God. And maybe that could produce revival, but it may merely be an experience jag that many people are on at the present time. So many people may even have an interest in church affairs and spiritual things, but you also know that we are living in an age where people are making godliness a means to financial gain. So is there a genuine interest for God? It remains to be seen whether we are genuinely converting or not. Although in Jeremiah's time there was reformation rather than a real turning to God, it was enough to prompt Jeremiah to give a tremendous prophecy in Jeremiah 3 verse 16 to verse 18. He says that in those days all the nations will gather to the house of God in Jerusalem even that fact should have alerted Judah not to make their temple worship ritualistic, but they did not respond. Yet the Lord continues to plead with them. God was so gracious. Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 22. Return you backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Indeed, we do come to you, for you are the Lord our God. Now at the beginning of chapter 4, we find an expression of God's response to any movement on the part of the people towards him. God is responding. If you will return, O Israel, says the Lord, return to me. And if you will put away your abominations out of my sight, then you shall not be moved. Jeremiah 4 verse 1. This is very interesting. God says, your coming to me has to be 
conditional. You come to me knowing that you will put away your abominations out of my sight. You cannot come to me while you are still holding on to the abominable practices that God says I hate. He is virtually interested in them, and he wants to bring them back into a right relationship to himself. So he tells them that he will not remove them from the land if they will turn back to him, only fulfilling the conditions that he wants. Sometimes people will want to come to God simply for what he will give them, but they don't want to meet his conditions. God has laid his conditions you either choose to follow me or you choose to follow the other God who is really the devil himself. And you shall swear the Lord lives in truth, in judgment and in righteousness. The nations shall bless themselves in him and in him they shall glory. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground and do not sow among thorns. Jeremiah 4, verse 2 and verse 3. In other words, here, reformation is no good. You can sow the seeds on the ground, but the ground must first of all be prepared. This is why the Lord says, first of all, break up your fallow ground. There is no use in sowing seed on thorny ground. And our Lord Jesus Christ expressed it in another way. Neither do you cast your pearls before swines. Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. The word of God is not good in the hearts that are not ready to receive that word. So here the message is, prepare your hearts. Let your heart be a prepared ground. Now, in the remainder of this section, there will be an impeachment, if you like, of the people. God will pronounce a judgment upon them, and he will call them to return to Jehovah. And finally, there will be clear foretelling of the judgment that will come because they refuse to believe. Believe me, Jeremiah will not mince his words about that. And my feeling is that they ought to be more of the messages of the prophets rather than the message of comfort in our own time. Sometimes we have not told God's judgment. The fallow ground needs to be broken up. We are decaying from within. There is deterioration, moral deterioration at every turn of our society. Corruption in Africa, corruption in our land, corruption in leaders' positions in public offices, corruption even in private sector. There is a deterioration. We need Jeremiah's who will pronounce the judgment as they are. Somebody needs to be saying something about it. But very little is being said. In fact, some of the so-called prophets are becoming the servants of those in power instead of being the servants of the Most High God. It seems to me that we are sowing seeds on the ground that is thorny, the ground that is not yet followed, the ground that is hard. And as Jesus told the story, what will happen to the word of God that goes there? It will be picked by the birds of the air. The Lord wants us to be benefiting from his word. And so he warns us just giving a word that is going to an unprepared ground. And God continues to offer to Judah an opportunity to come back to him. 
Listen to him. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the false skins of your heart, you men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench it because of the evil of your doings. Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 4. This is very interesting in the sense that even now in the New Testament, Paul and the apostles say that people would not be circumcised again. But even back in the Old Testament, the people were supposed to circumcise themselves to the Lord. What exactly were they doing? Taking away the foreskins of their hearts, not simply mutilating your body. It was to deal with their heart condition. Now, these people were going through the outward form of circumcision. Circumcision was a badge that showed that they belonged to the nation Israel, but God hadn't given it just as a form or as a ceremony. Their hearts needed to turn to God. This shows the necessity and the difficulty of repentance, my friend. The fallow ground that we talked of in verse 3 refers to the unplowed ground which is sun-backed and possibly covered with weeds, according to Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. And God says, break it up, plow it. The prophet is calling for a radical alteration in the hearts of men of Judah. Circumcision as an outward sign of the Abrahamic covenant was pointing to that important change in the heart. Jeremiah calls for a circumcision of the heart. The total inner man. Now Jeremiah lets them know that there will come a power out of the north that will be Babylon, which will eventually destroy them. Here is Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 6 to verse 8. Set up the standard toward Zion. Take refuge. Do not delay. For I will bring disaster from the north and great destruction. The lion has come up from his thicket, and the destroyer of nations is on his way. He has gone forth from his place to make your land desolate. Your cities will be laid waste without inhabitant. For this, clothe yourself with sackcloth, lament and wail. For the fierce anger of the Lord has not turned back from us. Well, Judah has seen the ten tribes of the north go into captivity. Now Jeremiah is asking them to take warning from that. God is raising up another power, a new power in the north, and that power will come down and will finally destroy them. They had seen Israel being taken by Assyria, and they thought they had survived simply by their own means. They did not take their lesson. Here comes the warning. Now, my friend, even these people, they failed to do so because they lived in the natural man. For indeed, the natural man can never produce righteousness at all. That is why Jeremiah calls the people to a circumcision of their heart. The circumcision of their body parts was simply that which was physical. They needed something done to their heart. But we see here, that the people even refused to turn to God, meaning to say 
Though circumcised outwardly, the hearts were not tended to God. And when a nation or a church or even an individual rejects God, God rejects them. Remember that the Lord Jesus came and he offered himself as the king to Israel. When they rejected him, he in turn rejected them. He said to them in Matthew 23 verse 38, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. You see, the whole chapter of Matthew 23 makes this very clear. So, my friend, don't just talk about the gentle Jesus. Yes, he is gentle, he is kind, he is meek. But when they rejected him as their king, he rejected them. He acts on the truth. You are free to reject God, my friend. That is your free will. God has not made you a robot. But remember that if you reject God, God will reject you. He is gracious. He is good. He is patient and long-suffering. He gives you ample opportunity to turn to him. This is why he continued to say, return to me, return to me, return to me. But it is also sobering to see what happens to any privileged people who refuse God. Be it Israel, be it the church. God finally refuses them. And then all other men count them as reprobate, refuse, and worthless. Once God has refused you, once God has rejected you, do you know what? Even your own family people will reject you. They will appear a case on you. The nation will reject you. In your workplaces, you will be rejected. Why? It's because God has rejected you. My friend, when things are still going well today, it is evidence that God has not rejected you. Turn to him now. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a fierce God. Because when he rejects you, everything else in creation will obey in rejecting you. We have too many people today who give a pretense of being followers of the living and true God. Many of them are even members of the church. And whenever there is no emphasis on the word of God, they are you know that we are not following the word of God. I am saying that we are in the same kind of position today as were those people in the days of Jeremiah. The nation at that time had rejected God, but the people were still making a pretense of following him. Such a people will find themselves rejected by God and by the world. No people can pretend to be God-fearing, to be hypocritical about it and still expect the world to look up to them. Sometimes I have a feeling that the church has been sidelined in society today because the church has become basically an apostate church. God has ordered it that way. I know it is not popular to say this, my friend, but Jeremiah was not popular even in his day. But I must tell you honestly the message of this book a people who turn away from God will find that God turns away from them in the ultimate. Now, let me lift out some of the high points as we go through this wonderful passage, this chapter. For my people are foolish. They have not known me. They are silly children. They have no understanding. They are wise to do evil, but to do good, they have no knowledge. Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 22. 
what a description of the people who are supposed to be knowing the truth. People who are supposed to have received the light. They have become foolish. They do not know. They have become silly children. Even though they claim to be wise, they are actually fools now. They have no knowledge of God. They have no understanding. Now, that is very interesting that you can read a human book and understand it without knowing the author of the book. And a human book by a human author can be understood by any human being. But if you want to know the Bible, you need to know the author and know him as your teacher. Only the Spirit of God can make the Word of God real to you. The picture we have here is that even though Israel, even though Judah had the Word of God, they had had, they could read the laws of God, but because they were not knowing Him, they could not even understand His Word. And sometimes that is the case of our generation. So many professors, so many people with even PhD doctoral uh, certificates at uh, biblical studies, yet at the same time, they do not know God. What they know is useless. Now Jeremiah spells out the specific sins of Judah. Run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. See now and know, and seek in her open places if you can find a man. If there is anyone who executes judgment, who seeks the truth, and I will pardon her. Jeremiah chapter 5 verse 1. You see here, the Lord Jehovah Yahweh sends the prophet scurrying through the city, seeking a man that will be pleasing to him. Justice and truth is God's way of life for his people. And as this prophet runs up and down, he is looking for someone. See if there is anyone who executes judgment, who seeks the truth, who executes justice. If you can find a man like that, God says, I'll pardon her. I'll pardon Jerusalem. Well, why didn't Abraham keep on pleading with God for Sodom and Gomorrah? We know that he stopped praying after he had asked God to spare the city for ten righteous men. By the way, God would have saved the city even for one righteous man. He had even to get that one man out, Lot was taken out of the city before he could destroy it. So Jeremiah is running into the city looking for someone who practices righteousness, justice, who loved the truth. There was no one. Now look at how God speaks of his people. They are like well-fed lust stallions, everyone neighed after his neighbor's wife. Jeremiah 5 verse 8. Well, this is a graphic description of the adulterous attitude of the people of Judah. Adultery was a particularly grievous sin because it violated the covenant basis of the family and society. What is the big sin in our nations today? It is the sexual sin. Only we don't call it that way. Some have tended to call it the new morality in the name of freedom. But God still calls it adultery, and adultery is sin. In fact, he uses sarcasm of the first water. He says, every man is neighing like a horse for his neighbor's wife. What a picture of our contemporary culture. There is the lust. 
as a cage is full of birds, so their houses are full of deceit. Therefore, they have become great and grown rich. Jeremiah 5 verse 27 Well, in our generation we have seen many kids walk away from their homes because of the conditions which exist in those homes. Now we have what are now called street kids, as if streets ever mothered or fathered children. I talk to many of these young people in the streets, and I believe that this verse is describing a valid evaluation of what has happened. What has happened is a cage is full of birds, so their houses are full of deceit. Children are not trusting their parents anymore because the homes are full of deceit. The Bible says, therefore they have become great and grown rich, yet losing the greatest values of life. Judah refused to listen. Now Jeremiah actually concludes his message in chapter 6. Because from the least of them, even to the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. And from the prophet, even to the priest, Everyone deals falsely. Jeremiah 6 verse 13. Well, the message here is that the entire nation was obsessed with covetousness. And covetousness is the great sin we have in Africa and the world at large, my friend. There is the coveting of power, of influence, of gold, of silver, of riches, of fame, and even of the neighbor's wife. Those are the sins that men covet. They have also healed the hurt of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Jeremiah 6, verse 14. Well, the false message of the prophets has brought a slight or trifle or scant healing to the people. It is not total healing. Yet this is temporary and superficial. And by the way, false religion and theological liberalism are always ready to accuse those who are faithful to God by saying, you are too pessimistic. But my friend, far worse is the crime against humanity perpetuated by those perpetual optimists who in their arrogance, who in their ignorance of mind and nature of God, announce peace and hope, bringing false hope to a temporary and unreal nature of the people, when in fact there is no peace. There was a reformation on the surface. There was little healing taking place. People were saying peace, peace, when there was no peace. And we hear a lot about peace today, but I think that in reality, we are getting ready for the final conflict. There is no peace. So many peace pact, so many peace conference, but the world is becoming more and more dangerous. Hear, O earth, behold, I will certainly bring calamity on these people, the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not heeded my words, nor my law, but rejected it. Jeremiah 6 verse 19. You see, in rejecting the word of God, they rejected God. If you reject God's word, you are rejecting God himself. And when men reject God, there is always something that follows. What is it? 
people will call them rejected silver because the Lord has rejected them. Jeremiah 6 verse 30. You see, rejected here is the Hebrew word rendered worthless. This same word is used to show Yahweh's rejection of his people. So the prophetic fire had failed to bring forth purity. Judgment will surely follow. And God says to the people of Judah, you have rejected my law and I will reject you. And when I reject you, the men of the world are going to reject you also. I cannot overemphasize this, my friend. Interesting, isn't it? It worked out that way in Jeremiah's day and it is going to work that way in our day. This is a very solemn message and we ought not to treat it lightly. If you reject God, he will reject you. But when God has rejected you, the world will reject you as well. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please write to The Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for, and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me give you that address again. It's The Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa.